0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Content Clearinghouse. I'm Josh Evans. And I'm Brett Chisholm. On today's episode, we chat about how good it is to disconnect from content every once in a while while jamming out to some tunes and rocking your new apocalypse fashion statements on your face. We talk about the Tetris effect after playing a video game for too long. And then Brett will push you to watch the push. Eh? Whatever it takes shows and video games podcast books and their acclaims let their favorite content become yours it's the content clearing house content clearing
1: house and it starts right now
0: are you able to get out of the house at all are you uh, get to do anything or Are you just locked up oh god i'm so glad you asked
1: because I, I feel like i've been watching too much content if that's even possible and it my brain started leaking out of my ears. So, today I um I took a break from content, if you can believe it. I just put music on, which I guess technically that is content, but it's not the kind of content that we usually cover and consume. But uh I got on my bike, man. I did 12 miles today.
0: Nice, just around the mountains.
1: Yeah, I just went up one of the one of the local roads that goes towards uh if you're familiar with Echo Lake, There's like a little ski mountain there. And it was over six miles uphill, but then I could just cruise on down, which I thought would be the pleasurable part because that's that's the right way to do a mountain bike ride is all the uphill first, glide on the way down for the second half. But my hands, I didn't bring gloves. My hands were freezing because it started out as a warm day. And then coming down the mountain in just like frigid cold air, it was just sucking the heat off my fingers man i had to stop every like 15 minutes and just rub my hands together it was i know these are first world problems but uh i know there's a lot of things to complain about in a pandemic and and cold hands don't really uh don't really take the top 10 for most people but that was my day how you doing
0: well, at least I know you're not a psychopath because you'd have to be some sort of psychopath to do the downhill first on a bike ride.
1: <laughs> that is true. I think that's the first test for
0: psychopathy. It is. Yep, that's in the that's in the handbook. Uh, we are... Well, we just got our um, everyone w- must wear masks order. So I went on a walk today with the dog and... I came around this corner and there was like a kind of a group of people just hanging out and I had my mask around my neck and I just pulled it up over my face and they all looked at me like I was a psychopath. I was like, "What? I'm I'm the one following the rules here." You know, it's I, I so I do I,
1: is it required in public in Colorado because I know I would actually listen to it live on NPR yesterday. When the government made the announcement, it's recommended. So they're not they're not going to be ticketing people that don't wear masks. But I mean, it's strongly encouraged. Um, but you know what I think? The crazy thing about it about this situation is is the CDC until very recently was recommending people do not wear masks. And the more digging that I do, this seems pretty nefarious. But it seems like they were concerned about the lack of available uh, personal protective equipment for healthcare workers, nurses, doctors. So they were afraid of people panic buying N95 masks. So they were legitimately giving incorrect information and saying, you know, this is not, you don't, you do not need to wear a mask unless you have symptoms. When what it sounds like is they actually had the information, they had the data, they had the evidence that they knew that this was an airborne virus and masks absolutely help um, with community spreading. What do you think
0: about that? I think it's kind of a tough one because I don't know if you could trust people to not buy up all the masks if you told them otherwise. Like that's definitely like that getting out is going to really hurt your case down the road. But at the time when it's like, you know, if people make a rush on buying all these masks and the medical system gets completely hosed within the first few weeks, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. So I would imagine that that was probably a hard decision to come to. I mean, it's not the right decision, but I think there's a lot of maybe borderline decisions that are going to have to be made just because this is such an unprecedented occurrence for us in our lifetime. Like, the CDC has never handled something like this before either. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, you know, the they're the people, though, that make the plans on how to handle this. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of bureaucratic organizations that are all responsible for all the moving parts. But um, you're not wrong in that the fear was absolutely justified, but what are the long-term impacts of having an organization that is supposed to be a resource for accurate medical information, but they are telling, you know, it, with the best of intentions, a white lie about the nature of a virus in an effort to, um, you know, I, I just, I just think that the ramifications are a degradation of trust for these institutions that are still, the scientific pillars of public health. That's what freaks me out about this, man. And you know, it it do, It seems like they're making it sound like okay, we're you know we we're this is changing all the time. We're getting new information. We're getting new data. And I realize that that's true. I realize this is a new strain of coronavirus, et cetera, et cetera. But if you do a little digging online, it it definitely seems apparent that there was some intentional mis misguiding the public and even some healthcare workers because there was just a, just a lack of masks. I just, I, I just rather have some honesty and you know, if we're, if, if we're treated like adults and we can be addressed like adults and be explained the situation, then people maybe would be less panicked. And you know, if it was kind of pitched as like, you know, we're in a difficult situation. It's really important that we have healthcare workers. It helps the entire collective. You know, so this is kind of the the shoes that we're in. You can make because now they're encouraging people to make masks at home. Like you don't need an N ninety five, you know, mask to help prevent the spread. You can make you can have like a cotton cotton cloth you know you and i what do we do we bought liquid sky masks our uh, skydiving jumpsuit manufacturer that is temporarily switching to masks and they look badass they've got a filter in them and they're it's we're not taken away from any uh health workers doctors and they donate one to every single one that we buy i mean that's cool yeah it's really
0: awesome and it's yeah i guess just going back to the cdc's decision it's definitely a degradation of trust but that is man at that point at this point this doesn't even surprise me i feel like so much of this entire thing has been mishandled on almost every front you know i do feel like at this point the best thing is to just hole up have as little contact as possible and like you said like wearing a mask that is not taking away from medical workers you know like that's pretty much what we were planning on doing anyways You know, with the Liquid Sky masks. But you know, I think the, it's scary on both sides because I really think that if the CDC were to come out and say you need to wear masks to prevent the spread of this virus, it would have been two days and Amazon stock would have been completely gone, completely de- uh, depleted of masks. The masks coming in from China would have been beyond back-ordered. And I guess I I don't think there's any right decision. I I think the decision they made was wrong, but I I think that in retrospect, we would have thought them telling us that we need masks was also wrong. You know, it's just, I don't, I don't think there's a right answer there.
1: Yeah. Well, I I hear you for sure. It's a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult uh, time for everybody for sure.
0: It sucks to not be able to trust the CDC though, because I guess if there's one institution involved in this that I felt like was beyond that kind of behavior it would be them but I guess you know just kind of let you know that we may not be the primary target of the people that need to be that they think they need to save in this right Well, you know, looking
1: on the bright side of things, though, um, I've traveled a lot to Asia, and it's just, I mean, it's socially acceptable there to wear masks. People wear masks when they're sick or, you know, during days of high pollution, Um, and they're kind of a fashion statement. I mean, you're talking about China, you're talking about Japan, South Korea. There isn't this, like, stigma And I'm pretty sure that in a few short weeks, we're going to remove the stigma of wearing a mask. I mean, I've already experienced how weird, you know, even being used to it when I travel to Asia, going to the Costco here in the United States and seeing, you know, half of half of the people shopping wearing masks is, is unsettling because it's just it's just different. But I think that we're going to remove that stigma pretty quickly and it's going to become normalized. And I hope that it continues beyond this pandemic because it's I mean, if you're sick and you're still going to go to work, just wear a mask and you're probably not going to get your or it's going to reduce the chances of getting your coworkers sick. You know, it's kind of like the the ramifications of like people really learning to wash their hands well and not just like, you know how guys are. You know, taking take a piss at the urinal and and then just running you know one of your hands under the water for two seconds that's not washing your hands. So maybe we'll see some long term benefits um, because the mask that I ordered looks awesome. They're pretty. And dope. I'm just I'm just gonna embrace this uh, apocalyptic uh, fashion statement.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be the equivalent of. Uh, the mindset change that came from people that lived through the great depression. You know, we are going to have this Corona apocalypse mindset going forward. You know, I think a large swath of the people on earth are going to have this mindset. I know for me, you know, just the three or four weeks of living this way, I know I'm already living much more intentionally. Uh, I'm I'm living a much less wasteful life. And, you know, I'm not always just taking the easy way out to like go to the go to Chick Fil A and get some food or something, you know, because that option doesn't exist anymore. So really, like planning out what I want to eat and eating healthier. And I I think you know they say it takes 21 days to set a new habit and 21 days to break it. So I feel like now it's not effortless but it's not going to be hard to carry that forward because we've been forced to do it so long i've been the way i've been thinking about my house is like basically like spaceship mentality you know like everything in my house that is that's my resource stash and that's what i have to work with and you know if you're in deep space you're not going to waste any of that stuff everything you know if you use half a napkin, you're probably going to save the other half because you're going to need it later. And that kind of mentality, I'm already just seeing that just naturally happening with most of the things that I'm doing around the house now, which it's really cool. I mean, it's crazy to think that a situation like this could domesticate you, but it's definitely happening.
1: Yeah, that's, that's definitely a good point, you know, and, and uh, I do Think that it is an opportunity to really—I don't know—experiment with um, just having a lot of time. Yeah, I, I realize there's a lot of people out there that have have essential jobs. I mean, my wife is literally flying on a trip right now, so she's working. But for the many, many people that are not considered
0: essential.
1: It, it could be a good time to start a podcast or something.
0: Totally essential. <laughs> How else will people know what games to play? There's no way you're going to figure that out on your own. That's right.
1: We're here to help at the Content Clearinghouse.
0: <laughs> nice plug, Brett. <laughs> so you said that you were taking a break from content and listening to more music?
1: <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's, it's just so funny because I... You know I love content so much, Um, and I have really embraced this opportunity to consume more, Um, but I'm realizing now that you you have to have a balanced entertainment diet. So if if you think that you can sustain this entire quarantine period on, on Netflix alone, well, I got news for you. Maybe try putting some music in and uh just getting outside moving your body around just to just to break up the shows you know just to give you a pause between the walking dead and community binges okay i i just i don't know i i just got outside for the first time in a long time today and i think it was a really positive thing sound like you just got out of prison (laughs) (sighs) yeah what kind of music
0: do you listen to to get you through the hard things Well, honestly, lately I haven't been listening to a ton of music. I really got on a podcast kick for a long time, and you know I've got like a whole library of podcasts that I just kind of shuffle through. But there was a there's a show that I listened to that actually it was probably the first time in six months that I actually that I went back and put on music was because of this show. Uh, So there's this podcast network called. Uh, the Unpopular Opinion Network. It's, uh, they just do, one of the, or the the owner of the podcast network, Adam Todd Brown, he was a writer for Cracked.com, which you and I, you know, used to peruse daily. And uh, he started this podcast network based on one of his articles, Unpopular Opinion, on Cracked. And then it just kind of blossomed out and he's got probably 15 or 20 different shows now. But he had this show called podcast supernova that was a deep dive into oasis you know i grew up actually kind of avoiding oasis you know that was like high school music for me and whenever i was in high school i was kind of like you know a punk rock kid and i was more into being iconoclastic when it comes to music instead of just consuming whatever's on the radio a- oasis was all over the radio but that kind of like that punk rock mentality i'm realizing now that i'm 40 it really kind of hurt what I was consuming at that time because I heard these songs from Oasis on the radio but never really appreciated them. They were just kind of like background drivel to me. But listening to this, uh, this show, Podcast Supernova, and this deep dive into the history of the band, it made me just kind of like on a whim like, oh, I should, I should listen to you know Don't Look Back in Anger or something. And I realized that like, there's all these Oasis songs that I absolutely love so those have become like staples lately. They're just so soulful and you know the lyrics, I don't know, they seem kind of meaningless but you can almost derive like your own personal meaning from these lyrics that just seem kind of like random clips of sayings that they've all mashed together. I don't know, it's it's genius music and I'm really into that lately.
1: Interesting. Yeah, you know, I think music is just one of those things that because I, I, I'm the same way with just like my content consumption is I always like to have something on, whether I'm whether I'm trying to learn something new or I'm just I want to be entertained or I want to be upset about, um, you know, something crazy going on in the world. So, I mean, I'll be I'll be shaving. I'll be in the shower. I'll I'll be just doing the dishes and I'll have a podcast playing. And it's just such a departure from when I used to listen to music um, very frequently. And it's been really interesting to kind of go on that journey of like feeling like now that I have so much time to consume content, deciding kind of uh, consciously and mindfully that I want to take a break and I want to listen to music. Because I think sometimes you just need something to just kind of unhook your mind lift up your spirits. I don't know, so something with some rhythm. But what I was listening to today is absolutely one of my favorite albums, uh Mac Miller Swimming. And I don't know what it is about that album, but it is something special. And I didn't even know anything about Mac Miller until after he'd passed on, but um boy, this album, it's it's got
0: to be one of the best albums ever made. I love it. Now, do you find with music? Are you like a band album guy or are you more like an individual song guy? Because I know for me, there are bands that I'm definitely fans of, but there are very few artists where, you know, I'm like, if this, you know, if Eminem is on, I'm going to listen to it because I love Eminem, but there's a lot of stuff that I just am not into at all. So I, I'm i more of like a... All, I, at the time when I was super into music, I was creating you know like my best thing ever playlist, which I would just pick and choose all the individual best songs and put them all into you know an iTunes playlist and that's you know I've been developing that thing for like the last fifteen years are you are you that way or are you more into like if your favorite band is on you're gonna listen to anything they play
1: I mean, I really like when there's an album that I can listen to from the beginning to end. It does not happen that often. And that's one of the things I really like about this Mac Miller album is I feel like the entire thing is just meant to be listened to in its entirety in a very specific order. Um, You know, I think Pink Floyd is that way. I mean, obviously one albums like the wall are literally like a story opera kind of like, novel in an album and it's meant to be listened to and it you know I don't know if you've listened to that album in the in, in a while but the last song goes right into the first song again so you could literally put it on a loop and they have this like never ending wild story um a Radiohead I mean I think there's just so many great bands that really put a lot of effort into having a cohesive album but there's artists for sure that I you know I don't feel like that's their specialty or their their de- they're designing music to be
0: played as singles or You mean like Taylor Swift?
1: Yeah, and you know what? No shade to Taylor Swift. Have you seen her uh, her Netflix special?
0: Actually, I have.
1: I've got I've got two daughters, <laughs> Dude, Brad. I've seen it. <laughs> I can't believe you have. I'm surprised that I've seen it, but Bree said you know, Brian watched it on a plane or on something and she said, have you seen Miss Americana? It's really good. And I said, no, you I said,
0: don't know how. Get that, out.
1: I said, <laughs> I said, no, I'm probably not going to watch that. But you know what? My wife recommends something to me about once a year and I recommend some, I recommend about five things to her a day. Yeah, you don't she- seem like
0: you can help that.
1: I can't. It's like read this article, either. check out
0: this song, listen to this podcast. That's the reason and, we started this podcast because <laughs> right. neither one of us can help ourselves. We can't. Like, we have but a checkable taste, and everyone we else do. should too. Exactly. But
1: she'll, you know, Brie will take time to read the article or watch the show or listen to the podcast. So the least I could do is be entertained by the amazing Taylor Swift uh miss america netflix I, it was actually very she really she has it. some
0: bangers brett it's true it really fuck is yeah. true she's got some bangers
1: fuck yeah i remember when bad blood came out and kendrick lamar's rapping to that i'm like yeah I man,
0: this is good. don't know the names to any of them you just took a step further than i was willing to go <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: tay if you're listening to this we love you please subscribe Please hit the subscribe button. (laughs) (laughs) So Mac Miller, Mac Miller's your jam right now.
1: Mac Miller's my jam right now. You know, I've always had an interest in jazz and I'm kind of re-exploring. You know, it's music genres. I just get very heavily involved um, almost like the beginning of an, an affair, if you will, where it's just all, this all you can think about is this one song or this one album. It's all you talk about. you gush to your friends. and then you kind of fall out of love and realize that you know you, your heart is actually somewhere else. But a few years later, you know that that album pops up on Facebook again and sends you a personal message and kind of your love gets re- rekindled again
0: this is a ba- this is a bad analogy to change your username <laughs> shut down your account don't forget to wear your ear condoms <laughs> Brett
1: no but I I, uh, I just I think that that's the fun thing about music taste is it does change over time it can come and it can go and uh, but I'm just like re reintegrating with listening to music because I literally have so much time on my hands that I can consume all the content that I want to and then also listen to music.
0: It's a beautiful thing. It really is. I mean, music is, it's like the art of the soul. It is <laughs> unbelievable. It really is. There's, there's very few things that will make you feel the way an amazing song will, you know, like I don't, I know I can't true. get like that. I can't get that you know, body chill feeling from looking at a piece of visual art per se. You know, it really does, it's like like that, uh, it's like the audio format brings back memories. It's kind of like how something, you smell something from 30 years ago and you can almost remember where you were the first time you smelled it. You know, that's how like the Oasis songs are. Now that I'm going back and truly appreciating them, it's like transporting me back to, being in high school and, you know, the things that I thought were important, the things that I was maybe worried about, also, like, just kind of the headspace I was in, maybe kind of reminisce for for skateboarding because, you know, that was, like, my life back then. It's crazy that, you know, a a song can give you that kind of nostalgia. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Well, uh, I know you haven't been listening (laughs) to too much content or consuming too much content but is there anything new maybe from like the past week
1: uh you know i have been uh watching community they just released community on netflix and um i just think it's a highly underrated fantastic hilarious show and i went to two years of community college so i can kind of relate to the eccentricities and the kind of variety of students that that it's attend community college and i mean of course it's obviously a caricature and it's kind of exaggerated wait but, what
0: was that uh not by much wait, what, community what, what was that word
1: exaggerated Ca- caricature word. caricatures was that a <laughs> <did> I
0: <laughs> Caricature. i have no
1: idea <laughs> Caricature. caricature
0: caricature caricature papyrus or papyrus <laughs> papyrus unless <laughs> i'm in private and then i say papyrus
1: okay i don't know what's real anymore
0: <laughs> so community actually that's kind of like a it's kind of like a gap in my consumption i've been told for years that it's great and i've never watched it so i mean now it's I on netflix usually go after it's your recommendations good. so you have to check Do that it. one out i highly recommend it how about you I've actually been playing this game on my Switch. It's uh it's Portal Bridge Constructor. It's like this puzzle game. I don't know if you've ever played like a bridge constructing game on your iPhone. That just uh you know, you're like building bridges normally out of like triangles or you're building arches. And it's just this like I got inspired to go check out something like this on our TV. It has this like screensaver that pops up when you're not doing anything. And there was this this photo of just this crazy arch bridge over this river and I was just like kind of marveling at the beautiful geometry of it and so I'll sometimes get like inspirational hits like that where really the only way that I could scratch that itch is to like, find a video game something interactive and so I just got on I got on the switch store and looked for you know bridge builders and there's a lot of just real crappy ones but this one is portal so I know you're familiar with portal. You and I played portal too back in the day, but you know, it's all, if you haven't played portal, you have a portal gun where you shoot a, a blue portal and an orange portal, and it creates a bridgeway essentially between any two structures in the world. So you're using, you're doing all these crazy physics based puzzles and in portal bridge constructor, you are building bridges, but they have to, they have to meet up with different portals around the map and, Eventually becomes this complicated puzzler, and uh, in the beginning, I found that like the building the bridges wasn't too hard. So I found myself actually deleting geometry and going back and trying to rebuild it in the smoothest or most beautiful way I could. So it's kind of this Zen game, but it also scratched like that itch for building something and like solving problems. It's really great.
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome. <clears throat> so did you say that that's an iPhone game?
0: No, well, uh, I don't think so. Because you said, "I've got on, the, it on switch. the switch." Yeah, there are okay. ju- there are other just like bridge constructor constructor games on iPhone, and they're all like just pretty standard. But it's cool to have that portal element added in because it goes from just a basic game into like this really complex mind bending puzzler. You know the portal when we live together,
1: or the the video game portal that definitely has. A record for me personally for being the the longest time I played a video game uninterrupted in my life. I just remember when we sat up in your bedroom and we must have played like eight or ten hours c- consecutively. You know, a couple of bathroom breaks. I remember closing my eyes that night and like dreaming about portals. I'm pretty sure we we played through the whole like two multiplayer campaign mode
0: um in one day from portal 2 it's interesting you say that about closing your eyes because uh after playing this game i was totally seeing bridge geometry in my sleep and i looked it up to see if that's like normal and there's a thing called the tetris effect which they first discovered this with tetris players which is why it's named that but they you know people that were totally zoned out on tetris for hours and hours on end they would start to see the uh, tetroids or whatever they're called the little f- tetris four blocks they'd see that stuff in their mind and they'd see different patterns falling and basically like be playing these visualization games of tetris in their sleep and it's like this legitimate phenomenon that's been scientific scientifically observed and i have experienced that with portal bridge constructor also
1: yeah, yeah, the Tetris effect. That happens to me um, after a long day of skiing. Totally. Like when I'm closing my eyes or like a, when you do like a 14er, you hike a 14er and you just like see the trail in your mind when you're falling asleep.
0: Yeah, it's exactly. And, you know, it's like yeah. any kind of any kind of sport, you know, where you're practicing visualization. Sometimes that stuff will just like reach out and grab you when you're not even trying to. You know, you just can't turn that visualization button off.
1: Right. Yeah, that's uh that's a weird weird part part of falling asleep. Do you ever get the uh the what's it called? Hypnagogic jerk or something like that where you're falling asleep and you feel like you're falling backwards and you jerk awake? That's like cool. the, that's
0: like the thing from Inception, the kick, they use like the falling sensation to wake them up.
1: Yeah, I mean it might be based on that. I don't know, but do you, do you ever get that when you're falling asleep? Yeah, and it, and I it remember jerk yourself awake in school. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh god. In school where you'd like be trying to not fall asleep and you uh, and you do that and you like blast all your pencils off your table. Uh, I was totally paying attention, I promise. Oh
1: man, that's funny.
0: All right. Well,
1: uh, let's take a quick break and then when we come back, we're going to get into some content. Ooh, content?
0: The Content Clearinghouse is brought to you by Best Maps Ever. They make checklist posters for outdoor adventurers who want to see it all. If you want to visit every national park in the United States, climb every 14er in Colorado, or ski every slope in New England, Best Maps Ever posters are the perfect way to track and inspire your quest. Every
1: single map is lovingly designed with icons, marking each location so that you can stick a pin in the icon or color it in with a marker as you check off the areas that you've traveled to. So they offer mounting and framing services for maps that are ready for pinning right out of the box. Or if you prefer to mount the map yourself, there are tips on the website to help you do that. They have a slew of maps relating to protected areas and public lands like state parks, national forests, and even more obscure maps like the National Wild and Scenic Rivers System. So Josh, one of the maps that my wife and I have mounted in our camper is the National Park map. It's covered in pins because, well, you know, my wife and I, we uh, get around. And best maps ever is makes our gallivanting around the country even more fun because we can put a pin in the map to prove that we've been there
0: done that no one could ever cheat that system brett well it is on the honor system best maps ever does not employ any sort of pin related security system that will come to your house and check and see if you've actually visited the places you've been <gasps> since you brought it up i have uh, the skydiving drop zone map hanging up in my office and it's one of the few decorations I have that's not celebrating one of my many athletic achievements. In fact, it's hanging up on the wall right next to my world's most humble man trophy. For all your cartographic needs, visit bestmapsever.com. They've got the best maps ever. Clear it out! Welcome back to the Content Clearinghouse. Brett. I hear you you have some sort of fascinating piece of content for us today. Oh, my God. I really do. I think that this
1: quite possibly is one of the most bizarre things that I have ever seen. So um, I'm going to keep this spoiler-free because you have to see this. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about the creator of this sort of social experiment and then kind of the premise of the start and then you need to go watch it it's only about an hour and 10 minutes long i highly recommend it so this is darren brown's the push Ooh, yes so you've seen this right josh yeah it's it's been a while i'm familiar yeah, with so, the concept uh you know it's it's um I think I've seen this three times now and it's one of those, it's one of those little Netflix specials that you just, I, I don't know. I, I even, even with my, um, background of watching Darren Brown's TV show, cause he's a pretty well-known mentalist, maybe not as much, um, kind of recognition here in the United States, but, uh, so he's, He's a British uh, fellow, Eng- right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. And the the so he is kind of famous for um, these these kind of psychological magical tricks where you you might if you Google his TV show you see him paying for things at stores with pieces of blank paper or he gets a celebrity like Simon Pegg to write down what you want for your birthday and put it in an envelope and then a month later he goes through this very complicated scenario to trick Simon Pegg into thinking he wrote something else down on the paper. I mean, he he's all about using your mind against you. And it's have fascinating. You, uh, have you
0: seen his Russian roulette routine?
1: I've watched all of his stuff, but it's been a long time. Remind me, remind me about
0: that one. So he is... He's like playing this game of Russian roulette with this guy. Who I mean, he always says that this is you know this person is not a plant. They don't know anything about it. Which who knows about that? But they have a, He's playing Russian roulette. He has one bullet, and he has this little shield that goes over the revolver that blocks his ability to see the chamber. And then just based on he has the guy count from one to six, and then just based on the way the guy counts, at certain points during the uh the game russian roulette he'll point the gun at his head and pull the trigger and it like falls on an empty chamber and he does that all the way until the last second where he points away and fires the gun and it shoots off into these sandbags it's so intense it seems so real and you know i have a tendency just based on what i've seen from darren brown to believe that there is some element of reality to the trick he's doing it's not really a trick as much as that is a stunt
1: yeah, you know what? I, I do remember that, and I think that that was one of his more controversial uh, episodes, for sure. Well, I think I think the push might actually um, potentially eclipse that in terms of something, something that's a little bit controversial. So have you heard about the Milgram experiment?
0: Is that the experiment that like all the research about like people's willingness to follow authority is based on, kind of like what they used. Um, Was not it kind of like a reference point, like with the way the Nazis behaved and they wanted to see if if they were just behaving because they were being ordered to or if they actually had like unethical influences coming from their own person.
1: Right, exactly. It was just sort of the idea of you know, all of these people, um, during the trial of, uh, Germany, um, German Nazi war criminals saying I was just following orders, right? It, It wasn't something that I wanted to do. Um, which I think in a, in a lot of the cases was absolutely true. It doesn't exonerate these people, but this social psychologist, Stanley Milgram, conducted all these experiments at Yale to kind of explore that question of what would regular people off the street do if they were told to do something that is against their will, essentially. I mean, they do have a choice, but if you put on a white lab coat and you're holding a clipboard, then all of a sudden it's like you fall a little higher on that social hierarchy. Well, the push is... Kind of taking that same premise, but it is just this incredibly elaborate experiment into social compliance. So Darren Brown, this incredible illusionist, mentalist, magician, the question that he poses is, can we be manipulated through this very familiar force that we all feel of social pressure, to eventually commit murder.
0: Oh man! So <laughs> <laughs> that
1: is a bold premise. It is a bold premise. So um, the experiment that they design is is kind of this this uh, charity event. It's this fancy gala. There's all these high powered VIPs. Everybody is wearing their black ties looking their best and it's a good cause it's this youth charity and cleverly called the project of urban social happiness which is a reverse engineered acronym for
0: push oh you know how much we love those
1: <laughs> and they are taking somebody off the street that they have a little a little bit of prior knowledge through kind of this complicated backstory that they, they go into into the show. They want they, they definitely want plants that are more likely to conform to social pressure. So they've done their due diligence, but I mean, I do believe that these people really have no idea what's
0: going on. So they're, they're not in a, on it, but they're being selected specifically for what their manipulability? correct.
1: Exactly, and the way that they do some of those um, experiments early on to find out who they want to cast on this show is absolutely incredible. It's hilarious. So, just to give you a quick rundown of that, they bring in, they have three actors in a room, and then they bring in the people that they're thinking about performing this experiment on, and they just they don't tell them anything other than to fill out paperwork while they're waiting. So they go into this room and then there's the sound of the bell and the three actors that are just kind of filling out their paperwork will sit down at the sound of the bell. Oh, and man. then so the fourth person that has no idea what's going on kind of looks around and then sits down and then the bell rings again and the three <sighs> actors deacus. stand up, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So then as they're bringing in more and more people that are not in on what's happening, if you don't comply, if you're not standing up and sitting down, they just ask you to leave, right? So they're they're kind of like selecting for this, and they're, and they're further encouraging more social compliance because they're only leaving the people that are complying. But then Can- eventually they take away <laughs> Wait, the hold three on. actors. Wait, hold uh-huh. on.
0: Can you imagine if you were asked to leave, and then as you're leaving, you're like, oh, man, they don't think I'm cool. You just like feel like such a loser <laughs> cuz you didn't get picked little do you realize that you're only leaving cuz you're actually awesome well that
1: i mean that's the thing that's so fun about a show that's like this even as disturbing as it is is it, we all kind of put ourselves into the shoes of the people that are not acting and we ask ourselves what would we do you know and i think we'd all like to say that when it comes to the third Reich to world war 2 We would say, no way. I would be the person that puts down the gun and says, I'm not going to have any part of this. But we are not being put in that position. And I don't think every single Nazi was an evil person. I mean, it is
0: incredible. It wouldn't even be possible. Suggestible people are. It wouldn't be possible for them to all be evil. You know, it's like. Exactly. There's going to be even within the third Reich, there's going to be like an an entire categories and swaths of people that, you know, all have different influences and different goals in life. And I imagine like most of that evil came from the very top and then trickled down as orders, you know, or as social pressure.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it is, it's a horrible ideology. And it's terrible that it got to that point. And of course, I think every single person is responsible for their actions. And if you commit atrocities, even in a war, you should absolutely be held accountable and responsible for those atrocities. But I think it's really important to recognize regular people are capable of terrible things if the right social pressures and these, these forces are at play and this show is exploring that idea if we have an awareness of it then we can choose to stop it it's when we don't recognize what's happening when we you know are are going to bend or break under those those pressures i mean we are biologically wired to want to fit into a group we are supposed to fit in we are a social animal so you know, it, it's it's just an important thing to understand, so that we make sure that it never happens again.
0: So they go through this dingus experiment, select this guy, right? And then, yeah,
1: and going back to that just briefly. So they take the actors out. They're ringing the bell, and all these people they have not been told to stand up and sit down, but the bell rings. They all stand up the bell rings, they all sit down and they're kind of looking around and they're kind of laughing about it. Like they realize it's
0: ridiculous, but they're fucking doing it. So great. Is that uh, that's after they're done with the, the actual actors. These are all the people that kind of make it through that first process or
1: right. Yeah. So they, they take those actors out and then you still see all the regular people that they're trying to figure out what level of social compliance they have. Just left there to their own devices, standing up, sitting down at the ring of a bell. Um, but then they're all told that, you know, they weren't selected for whatever it was that they were applying for to be on Darren Brown's TV show. And they go about their merry way. And then months later, they take their candidate, their pick, a guy named Chris, very, very nice guy, just a regular just a regular English chap. Okay. And then they approach him as um, they approach him being this kind of it web designer, he was he was hired to build this app for the push charity event. And so they want to bring him into this charity event, so that he can kind of enhance his network and Rub shoulders with some of the fancy folks that are at this thing, and so it's kind of like pitched as a business opportunity, but just to get into some of the little things, the little they, it's these little chunks of social compliance. Is uh, it's a black tie event, but he's not told it's a black tie event, so he is the only one wearing business casual, while everybody else has like tuxedos on. A oh, man,
0: embarrassing. <laughs>
1: So, they're just trying to, like, you know, just signal to him that he's a little bit lower status than everybody else. They try to um, get him following orders right away, just little things. So, one of the first kind of tests of social compliance is they have these little sausage rolls and they're in the back kitchen where all the catering comes in and out. And this guy that's kind of been his contact and has built a rapport with Chris. Is getting him to put flags, these vegetarian flags, into the sausages because the vegetarian hors d'oeuvres never came. Hey, vegetarian, so a-
0: <laughs> they won't be able to tell a the difference. They don't know what meat tastes <laughs> right. like. Right.
1: I mean, that's a that's exactly that's exactly what he said. He's like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. Like you know, so they they're it's just like such a small act, but it's I think it's called the foot in the door technique. So the idea is that you're getting someone to do a very small favor for for you or for someone else, and if you get them to do that, they're more likely to do a bigger favor later.
0: I imagine Darren Brown is just like a treasure trove of those techniques, like just how to manipulate the human psyche. seems like he'd probably be a scary guy to hang out with.
1: You know what's wild too is he – I mean, I'm just so fascinated with him because he is really, really good at this. I mean, this is, it's his expertise. But watching watching this, you know, there, this whole gala event, every single person is a highly trained actor that has practiced this scenario, everyone except for Chris. And then you have the camera crews and all the hidden cameras, and you got Darren Brown, who's kind of, it's like a weaponized psychologist. This whole idea. Totally. And, um, you know, when Chris isn't complying with something, you'll see Darren Brown talking into a microphone that goes into an earpiece that one of the actors has. So, you know, Darren Brown is, like, really trying to push the limits to the point of trying to get Chris to commit murder within the evening. Oh my God. Seems crazy, seems ridiculous, but it's It's really interesting on um, repeated viewings of this Netflix special to watch Darren Brown's face because he he kind of I don't think he's a psychopath. He seems like a really nice chap, but he (laughs) (laughs) he he looks like he's enjoying it like he really does have this mission to try to ramp up this experiment a little bit at a time and to get Chris to do exactly what he wants. And you see him smile and it just, I don't know, man. This is one of those shows which I really recommend to people. I think it's a must watch. But it is going to creep you out just
0: a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure that when he's doing something like this, he is just totally in the zone. You're like, talking about flow states last time I bet he is in some mad flow when he is manipulating a human mind like that you know like probably just gets on a roll where he can't even help himself he's like he just knows everything he's gonna say is gonna work because he's got it planned out like eight moves in advance and has such a such a complex understanding of his like of his marks mindset
1: yeah uh, it's it's very it's very unsettling to watch it's very entertaining so um, let me just kind of finish like I said I don't want to give too much away you absolutely need to check it out um, but I, I definitely do wanna, don't definitely don't spoil anything because this is something I, I want everybody I to see. It's wild um, So I definitely uh, I do just want to finish on one one of kind of Darren Brown's little monologue pieces at the very start. So he says, and they, they show these just like different clips of different events all around the world, different political figures. Uh, it's just a, it's a great way to start this special. But he says, social compliance, following orders, doing something because someone else says it's the right thing to do. Authority can come from a person, from a group of like-minded individuals, or from an ideology. It can be used to preserve public order, but it can push people to commit terrible
0: acts. So the push, check it out. So, do you feel like watching something like this? Do you feel like it gives you a stronger understanding of your own mind?
1: I mean, I know that I fall victim to that cognitive bias uh, that everyone is guilty of. Of you know, saying I'm, I'm in the high, I'm in the above average on how well I drive. And I definitely <laughs> would not have committed, <laughs> committed. Well, most people are below average drivers.
0: Too.
1: Right. So, uh, you know, I, I really do try to watch this and, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what I would do in this situation because I feel so much empathy and they just expertly crafted this social experiment to manipulate this poor bastard. I mean, they, they're they very, very good at this, and it is extremely convincing. And it is very hard to say what any of us would do in this situation. So I do, I mean, I think it's worth watching just so if you ever find yourself in this bizarre set of circumstances where you are uh, repeatedly being pushed up against the edge of what you're willing to do, and then you find you find your will sort of bending or breaking and you're succumbing to the social compliance. I think that watching a show like this can give you a better understanding of what what outcome could be could 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 be possible in a worst case scenario and it might bring some awareness to that moment for you to to nip it in the bud, <laughs> to regain some control and and to bring it to a stop. So I I mean I do think that there's actually some actionable potentially very valuable insight that can come from watching a special like this
0: definitely how would you like to learn later when this special comes out that you the guy on the show was selected specifically cuz they thought that you could fall for this that's got to be some serious <laughs> mind-breaking realizations about who you are
1: you know i have wondered i have wondered that um I have specifically wondered about what the outcome of the show has been with Chris, uh, there, there, and I won't say anything, uh, like I said, because this is spoiler free on this episode, but there is some interesting information about (sighs) some interesting outcomes from this show that you can find online. So I do recommend doing a little bit of Googling after you, after you, uh, watch this show, but I don't know what happened to Chris specifically. If that makes sense. It'll make sense if you watch the show. But there is some there is some interesting information out there and, you know, I think people forget uh, people that are being critical forget that this could be any one of us. I mean, that's the point of the show is like they yeah, they selected for some some uh, Chris Syndrome. A little bit more <laughs> some people with, with a little bit more uh, likelihood of following orders, but really that that's in I mean that's the majority of people out there. We are all f- conforming to social norms and following orders unconsciously without making that decision all the time.
0: Stop lights
1: that's, well that's that's something you should absolutely <laughs> yeah absolutely conform to yeah well said,
0: well, Brett, I've said it before. I'll probably say it every time you do one of these Sure. <laughs> Your content pieces never stop to make me think or always stop to make me think. That's the one. They always stop and make me think. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff you bring. They always bring, stop making me think. Yeah. The stuff you bring is always, it's just so cerebral. And, you know, I've seen this. It's been a long time though. So just, you know, kind of hearing your take on it makes me want to go back, watch it again. So thank you for that. And thank you so much for listening to the Content Clearinghouse. And please join us next time.
1: Whatever it takes.